I just remember this. This right here. She goes, Jamie, oh my God, you're fucking gay. Just get over it and admit it. You're fucking gay. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't think I am. You're fucking gay, Jamie. Hello, my name's Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there, and the people that they used to know. So, you know how sometimes these conversations, these episodes, are only very, very, very tenuously linked to a queer space? And in this intro, I try and come up with some justification for why we didn't talk all that much about the space in order to prepare you for the conversation ahead. Well, this week, dear listener, I'm not even going to try and insult your intelligence by pretending that we talked about a queer space because, well, we didn't. I failed you. I failed. That's it. I'm holding my hands up. But that is not to say that it is not a great conversation because it is. This week I was lucky enough to sit down with Jamie Kelton, actor, voiceover artist, author and host of the Queer Family podcast. And... We started off by talking about San Francisco, which, you know, I think is the gayest city in the world, and how Jamie grew up there, surrounded by that gayness and that queerness, and still really struggled to figure out for herself her own sexuality and who she was. We also talk about giving up this idea of perfectionism and being a good girl. And I'm using inverted commas when I say that. I know you can't see me. And how that can kind of just get in your way. And we have a wonderful conversation about the stereotype of the U-Haul lesbian and why that's become such a prevalent stereotype in the lesbian community. I have thoughts. Jamie has thoughts. Let's find out what they are. Let's go. What I want to know is, how can someone grow up in that queer mecca known as San Francisco, surrounded by queerness and tolerance and stuff and bits and pieces, and not then recognize your own queerness? That's a good question. That's a great (laughs) question. This is going to be a long answer. So I told you I ramble, but we're going to get there. It might be circuitous, (laughs) but we're going to get there. I think that Especially my experience of growing up in San Francisco in the 80s and 90s. I was born in the late 70s, and now you know what generation I am and how old I am. So grew up in the city of San Francisco in the 80s and 90s. And queer culture, of course, was very prevalent in San Francisco then. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also the AIDS epidemic. I lived through that in San Francisco. Now, mind you, I didn't have any gay people in my family, right? So it was just the city that was very gay. Right. But the the rhetoric around the LGBTQ community 
back then, at least where I was, in my little corner of the world and in my experience of the world, the rhetoric and the conversation was a very male-dominated gay world. So when I thought of gay, I thought of gay men. I didn't think of women often at all. And I didn't see that many examples of gay women in the world around me. I saw gay men everywhere. Gay women, not so much. As a kid, you know, I had the stereotype of what a gay woman was like, a butch dyke on a bike. That's what I thought of lesbians when I was young, right? And I didn't see other representations of gay women in my world, I guess. And like, I grew up in the city. I went to the free park and rec classes after school at the parks departments. And I would, you know, find a class that I liked. Like I'm a theater kid, I'm a musical theater kid. Singing, dancing was my, my life growing up. So, so even more exposure. Yeah, as I get into my teenage years, that's how, right? So then I was like really surrounded by gay boys mainly. But like I bounced from park department to park department depending on what free class they offered. Like I would take myself mm-hmm. on public transportation to the park department. A lot of times in the Castro, there was a really good class in Castro. I took a dance class there. I took a theater class there. So the park in the Castro district was where me and my friends would hop on the public bus, you know, get off at Castro Street and walk down the main strip of Castro Street to get to the park around the corner. And like, there were gay men everywhere. And my radar just wasn't like out looking for women. I only thought of men. Mm. Like, I remember there's this, I have this one time walking down the street in my memory. I must have been like 10. And there were these two guys in front of us. One had his hand in the other one's back pocket, and the other one had his hand in the other one's back pocket. And, you know, me and my friends were, like, giggling. Oh, my God, you know, they're gay. Yeah. Oh, you know, it was a funny thing. And there were one time my friend, like, pushed me into one of the gay bars when I'm, like, 10. Like, 10, I'm 10 years old. Wow. Okay. You know, as a joke, like, pushed me really hard, so I, like, fell into the gay bar and it was like, ha ha ha, Jamie fell in the gay bar. You know, so like it was there. It was everywhere. Um, And you've got a really good answer to the question, how old were you when you went to your first gay bar? Well, there it is. Yeah. Well, no, actually younger because, okay, okay. So here's the other thing. I uh, like we, uh, we had a guy who lived downstairs from us who was a gay guy, but you ask my mom, like when I tell my mom, mom, Richard was gay. She'd be like, no, he wasn't, but he was so gay. You know what I mean? And he was our babysitter. He babysat us What do you mean time. by that? So gay. He, oh, uh, stereotypically <laughs> a gay guy. I know. That's terrible to say. Sorry. Okay. Sorry to set you up like that. <laughs> no, you're right. And you're right. But at the same time, like he was just stereotypically what you would think of as a gay guy. Wait, so I've taken you off. So Richard took you to a gay bar before you were 10. No, 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 was no, no. Was that what you were Richard, about to tell me? <laughs> no, Richard was our babysitter. But there was this gay bar in my name. I grew up in Bernal Heights, which is kind of like an offset of the Mission District in San Francisco, which is also very close to the Castro District. They're all very close. Uh-huh. So I grew up in Bernal Heights, and there is this famous lesbian bar in Bernal Heights that's been there since before I was born, it's still there. My mother still lives in this house, too. It's still there. It's called Wild Side West, and it's a lesbian bar. It's owned by lesbians. I used to trick or treat at the lesbian bar. 
They give candy to the kids in the neighborhood. So that technically is my first gay bar because I used to trick or treat there. What kind of candy does the lesbian bar hand out? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had the answer for that. And I wish I had like a quick quip. And I, I can't, I don't know. <laughs> the answer is the best candy, right? It's the best. <laughs> they put lots of thought into it. Yeah, right. So, right. Okay, we've gone off. So you were, um, so my original question was that you were surrounded by so many examples of non-heterosexuality. Yes. But you still didn't click that that might apply to you somehow. I think, as we know so well, representation really does matter. And I didn't see lesbians around me. Except for at Halloween. Except, I saw, yes, but, and... <laughs> I didn't realize that was a lesbian bar okay, when I was okay. a kid. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that till I was an adult and like coming back and visiting my mom in San Francisco. And I was like, oh my God, this place is a lesbian bar. But I, had, I didn't know as a kid. You know what? I just interviewed a trans woman who realized she was trans at the age of 47 and said she had no inkling up until the moment that triggered her. No uh-huh. inkling, no idea until that moment happened that triggered her. And then things kind of like fell into place in her yeah. mind. And she said, she gave me a statistic, and now don't quote me on this because this is from her mouth and I have not like fact checked it. <laughs> but she said, when it comes to the trans community, um, Many of them know it from a very young age, but she said there's like something like 33% of trans individuals who really don't see it until they see it. And a lot of times there's like Mm. a triggering moment that does it. So the only answer I have for you is I just really didn't see it. I didn't feel attraction to anybody as a kid. There was no, you know, and... Now when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did have a crush on Jane in ninth grade. You know what I mean? Or Oh, Jane, yeah. Looking back, I see it, but I just I just didn't see it. It wasn't on my radar, I guess, and I wasn't. Mm. And I'm really sorry if I'm coming across like, why didn't you know? How no, come yeah. you didn't figure it out? I wish like I everyone's knew. journey yeah. is their own journey. I just find it really fascinating that you were... And this is me obviously projecting and making up lots of things about the type of city that San Francisco is, but having lots of examples. Not necessarily that you were seeing gay people, but it wasn't like lots of people's childhood where it was just like, we don't talk about that, we don't talk about that, we're not even going to bring it up. And it was hush, hush, hush. Like there was some conversation, some dialogue is what I'm imagining. There was some. And also, you know, it was the AIDS epidemic too, right? So I'm in middle school and that's when the epidemic went wild. And so my sexual education in middle school, because you have sex ed, was Mm. literally about AIDS and how you get AIDS. And like I thought I had AIDS in seventh grade because I had like symptoms, like night sweats. And I was like, oh my God, sometimes I sweat at night. You know what I mean? Like I was convinced I had, and this is before we knew HIV was the virus that becomes AIDS. Like this was way in the beginning and people were dying and it was so scary. I was convinced I had AIDS for like a week. It was all around me. It was, there were signs everywhere about AIDS and it was all gay men though. 
pictures of gay men. Yeah. It was targeted towards gay men. And then as I grew older, you know, I'm a theater kid. I was in musical theater, and I was in this musical theater group where all the boys were gay except, like, a teeny tiny handful. And I dated the one straight guy, like, that everybody, all the girls were pining for. But none of the girls were gay. Except for the stagehands, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) But, like, it wasn't as open as it was with the boys. The boys were just, they knew it. And they were out and they were, you know, we were going out and we were going out to the Castro for Halloween and, like, doing the gay boy thing. But I guess there was, like, no space for the women to, like, kind of, we weren't, either we weren't, like, experimenting or opening our minds to it or we just didn't see it. You know, some of us, I kissed a couple girls, like, for fun because we were in kind of a group where the gay boys were doing all kinds of stuff. So we're like, ooh, let's let's play spin the bottle and whoever it ends on, we kiss. Doesn't matter of the gender, you know? And we were experimental that way. But um, I really think it's like representation. There was one girl who was out as a lesbian in high school in my theater group, one. And I just thought I was different than her. Like I didn't identify with it at that time. It took moving across the country to find it. (laughs) And so then I guess my follow-up question is, if you like hadn't thought that you were not heterosexual, did you think you were heterosexual or did you just not think about it? I thought I was heterosexual. I think, I, I don't know if I thought about it. I thought I was just... Yeah. I think it's also problematic because, you know, I was a kid who did all the right things. Right? Which is problematic. Mm. I got good grades. Mm. I did what was expected of me. I took care of my appearance. Like, I was the good girl, you know? And so the idea of being anything other than what fits that mold was just not even on my radar. And when I finally started opening my mind to it was also a very, the scariest part of it for me. Like, not fitting that mold. Exposing to others that I don't fit that, I'm doing Mm. quote-unquote perfect mold of a good girl. Mm. It's deep. And it's not even necessarily about your sexuality or who you are. It's the thought of letting people down. Yes, 100%. Mm. My heart is fluttering just even, like, talking about that or thinking about that. That was the hardest part Mm. for me just letting people down. People's expectations of me were high and this was going to be a big like bump off that pedestal, I guess. What do you mean they were high? I guess like in my mind's eye, like I guess I was just kind of following the path of, I keep saying good girl and I don't know like another Mm. term to say it, just what a good cisgendered straight girl does. And it wasn't even necessarily like, I, I didn't have the narrative in my head that I'm going to, you know, go to college, get married, have kids. That wasn't my narrative. I wasn't interested in getting married. It was not even on my radar. I was career oriented. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to be. And I was going to make that happen. And being gay did not fit into this equation Factor into the plans. But, so to back to that question about having high expectations, was it that people 
did have high expectations of you or that you imagined that they had high expectations of you? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's mostly probably me putting that on myself and thinking that the rest of the world felt the same way. I think that's probably a much bigger percent of it than the people around me actually putting those expectations on me and also my feelings of how people would react to finding out that I am not that person, I think we're way over what they actually were. Yeah, it was me. It was me. Like having to fit this perfect ideal of who I thought I was supposed to be, I guess. We're going deep, Kay. Oh, my God. (laughs) My mother's going to listen to this. I didn't know you struggled. Oh, what's your mother's name? Shall I say hello? Oh, yeah, Sue. We call her Mama Sue. She's, Hi, she's Mama the best. Sue. She's the best. So then let's talk about... Sorry, you were saying you love your mom, and I'm like, let's change the subject. No, no, no. no. Um, it's, it's enough. <laughs> it's enough. It's enough for Mama Sue. Let's talk about that time that you realized then when you were like, ah, crap, oh, no. I can't put this back in the bottle. Yeah. Like, what happened? What was the thing that triggered okay. that realization? So I think, I think actually my senior year in high school is when little tiny thoughts started trickling into my brain. Like, oh, wait, am I attracted to girls or do I just want to be friends with them? You know, like teeny tiny mm-hmm. thoughts that would go in and I'd be like, Psh, no, you know, I'm fine. I like guys too. It's fine. And then I went away to college. I went across the country. I went to Boston for school, for musical theater school. So, again, surrounded by gay boys, you know, and really open people in general because we've all been doing theater basically our whole lives. And I had my, was it my freshman year or my sophomore year? I got this crush. I had this little friend group. Most of us were from California, so we, like, kind of, like, this little group I was in. And there was one girl who was, uh, she was two years older than me, but she was in the friend group because she was a best friend of one of my friends in my class anyway. And I developed the most insane crush on Brooke. She knows now. We're still friends. On Brooke. Brooke was not a lesbian. I was not a lesbian. But woo, the crush was intense. It was the most intense crush I had ever had in my life, and I couldn't shake it, and I couldn't stop thinking about her. That made me realize, okay, wait, I am attracted to women for sure because I want to do more than just hang out with Brooke. Like, (laughs) there's a lot more going on here. Um, A lot more like what? Like I wanted to kiss her. I I wanted to lay in bed with her. I mean, you know, (laughs) I wanted to get naked next to each other. Oh, oh, okay. I was going to say, you still sound like a bit of a good girl there, Jamie. No, well, I'm just... Getting naked, good. All right. Yeah, no. (laughs) I wanted to go there. I was ready. You know, the thoughts didn't stop. I drew, like, pictures of her naked in my diary. I mean, yeah. It was intense. But I never told her. I just spent every waking moment with her that I could. I never told her, though. Until, like, recently, honestly. Um, You know, never acted on it. And kind of kept it in the back. And then she graduated two years ahead of me, right? So 
she was kind of away for a while. She had boyfriends throughout it that, oh, my God, mm. it drove me crazy. It was, like, so hard to handle it when she was, like, with her boyfriend and had to not show how much it bothered me. And nobody knew. I didn't tell anyone. It was my secret, which is terrible. I kept that secret for years. But also kind of delicious. <laughs> like that, that, that longing and that, like, walking around it feeling intense. sorry for yourself. That's, that's kind of oh nice God. to revel in, right? Yeah, I guess. Oh, God, it was such a hard time, though. I still think of the songs we used to listen to together. Like, they'll still bring me there. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh. Um, so was there a moment where the penny dropped, or was it just this gradual building? No, it happened later. <laughs> so it happened years oh, later. Oh, okay, so you were having these feelings and drawing naked pictures of Brooke. Yes, <laughs> Sorry but I was like, but, you. you know, it's just Brooke. It was just Brooke. I didn't have a crush on anyone else. It was Brooke. Mm -hmm. Then Brooke leaves. He's off doing Brooke's life. And then I developed a crush on another girl in my class this time. Brooke was like at least like queer leaning. Like at least there was like some inkling of maybe Brooke would be like open to it. This girl I developed a crush on, no, no, no. Straight as the day is long. Like such a straight girl. Right? Okay, wait, so I have to unpack this. What is a very straight girl? <laughs> I don't know. Like, just n in my mind, I knew she would never entertain the idea of kissing a girl. Okay. Like, I knew that was not, would never be on her radar. Does that make sense? At all? Okay, but she wasn't like a member of Future Housewives of America or something like that. No. <laughs> but I think, you know, had been raised really re traditional and, mm -hmm. and I never even asked her. I never asked, have you ever thought of like kissing a girl? Like that's how afraid I was of all of this part of me. I never even asked. It was just, nah, she would never, she was, she's so yeah, yeah. fucking straight. Sorry. I just, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Embrace the F word. And I bet you it was all me. I, I still don't know to this day. Like, I wonder. She's not on social media, so I can't stalk her and see how her life turned out. But um, She's actually on next week's episode <laughs> of Lost Faces. I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. But anyway, it was intense. It was just as intense. And I never acted on it. Look, I, here's, here's what happened. I, ha I was having a phone conversation with my best friend, my college best friend, Alexis, who's still one of my best friends. She's this... Puerto Rican from New Jersey, and she tells it like it is, you know, and I'm on the phone with her, mm -hmm. you know, as you do when you're like 20, 21, and you're in college. It's like two in the morning, and I'm like, Alexis, I just don't know what to do. Like, and I told her about this crush on Lauren, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, am I gay? I don't, what, and Alexis, I just remember this, this right here. She goes, Jamie, oh my God, you're fucking gay. Just get over it. And admit it, you're fucking gay. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't think I am. You're fucking gay, Jamie. Like, it was like this conversation. And she was like, what's the big deal? You're fucking gay, so what? And, <laughs> and I remember just, no, I don't know. Okay, you think? You really think? Oh, my God, you know. And um, so there was that conversation that helped to plant the seed. And then there was one day I'm walking down the street in Boston. I was walking down Westland Avenue. And I just had this thought that some voice popped in my head that said, I'm gay. I'm a lesbian. I am a lesbian. 
And when I said, when whatever that voice was inside my head said that, I felt a weight lift. I felt lighter. And I felt kind of like this feeling of relief wash over me. And it was a split second. And then I went back mm-hmm. to being my normal self. But that moment of clarity, I guess, was when I really, I think, admitted it to myself, realized it, and felt the weight lift of mm. holding on to all of the stuff I had been holding on to. Then I went back to holding on to it again, <laughs> but I felt it for the first time. <laughs> and like realized, okay, I am gay, and I felt it, and I owned it, and it felt good. And then, mm. it, took, and then it took years more to really fully own it. <laughs> uh, okay, Sadly. so the elastic band snapped back straight away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and I started playing a little bit, you know, doing some stuff with the girls and having some experiences. Is that like going out and flirting? I wouldn't say flirting because I'll tell you right now, I still don't know how to flirt with women. I am so afraid of women. And I'm also just a serial monogamist. I just jump from relationship to relationship. I mean, I hopefully I've been married for a long time. This better be my last one. But I have always just like fallen into long relationship after long relationship. You read with whatever you want about what that says about me. But um, so dating, I don't know, or flirting, I don't know. But well, so what? So what is? Did you use the word playing? What was the like, word you like used? Experimenting. You know, I got together with a girl or two, tried it out to well, see and, how it and felt. How, how do you facilitate that? Well, there was another girl in college who was also questioning. And we had a, like, really, you know, heartfelt conversation one day. And we both were like, should we just try it with each other? Let's just see how it feels. Because we didn't know if we liked it. And so we, like, mutually agreed, all right, let's do this. And then we did. And it was fun. And we did it again. Did you fancy her there? Oh, I did. I mean, yes. Yes. Okay. Sexy and pretty and... Yeah, I, wouldn't, I don't think I would have entertained it if I didn't find her attractive. But I didn't have a crush, like one of those crippling crushes on her like I did with these other women. So it was more of just kind of a flirty fling. But just to yeah. try it on and see how it feels and see, it, do I really like sex with a woman? I don't know yet. I have to try it. Like, am I really going to enjoy that? I don't know. Turns out I did. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Yeah. But was it, and, and not to like focus too much on the act itself, so sorry if I'm going too far with these questions, but was it really super awkward because neither of you had done it before? I think it was. I, mean, I guess but, you knew what the parts were. We knew, uh, you know, we know how to <laughs> deal with those kind of parts. Um, yeah. I think it was probably a little bit awkward just getting the lay of the land. But once we got into it, no, it was fine. It was good. We figured out yeah. what to do. Yeah, you don't um, really need a manual, do you? I don't know why I'm asking these questions. Sorry. I know how that particular body part works pretty well, having one myself. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I think that's the bottom line. I, I did like it, and I wanted to do it more with people that I found attractive. So. But interesting that you didn't catch feelings. I didn't. You know what? I feel kind of bad about this. I ended up freaking out a little bit about it. And uh-huh. there was a moment, we graduated college, and she went her way, I went my way. It was never supposed to be more than just experimenting with each other, trying it out. And then mm-hmm. I went to visit her. She was in Canada. And I went to visit her, 
randomly. And she wanted to have a night together, you know. And I said, no, I can't. I can't do this. I'm not. I'm not gay. I don't. I'm not in. I, I'm not doing this. Because um, I think I was still confused. And I feel so bad about that to this day because I think, I think I hurt her and I feel bad. And the truth is I was gay. I just still hadn't really figured it out yet. And I think also I didn't have a crush on her. You know, I was attracted to her, but it wasn't, I didn't yeah. want to be with her, you know, so I feel bad about that. Um, and so, like, what was the time period then between that moment in Boston going like, yeah, and then actually be more open? So that moment of epiphany that I had, that was my senior year in college towards the end of it. Graduated, moved to New York City, and was in my very first show. Got my first professional mm-hmm. gig, and it was a tour. And so I guess this was, I guess it was like eight months later, right? So it was a about a time and in that time is when I visited with that friend that I had experimented with and said I'm not I'm not gay I don't want to do this like all of that happened during this little interim Mm -hmm. and I went away on tour and it was a bus and truck tour so basically you drive we drove the trucks so there were two there was a passenger van and there was a set van and the stage manager drove the set van and there was one other seat in the set van and I kind of just got wait did we Wow, we might have hooked up during rehearsal. Anyway, I ended up with a stage manager. (laughs) And I don't remember if we hooked up for the first time. And I flirted for the first time. I knew she was gay. She was out. And I was like, I'm going to be with this person. I'm going to get together with this person. She was hot. I liked her. Flirted. I hooked and sank her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't remember, though, if we hooked up during rehearsals or if the first time we hooked up was on, it was on tour. It was on tour. So I ended up in the passenger seat of the set van for the first mm-hmm. leg of the drive. Ani DeFranco starts playing. I didn't really know Ani up to this point. <laughs> Fall in love with Ani. And me and Sarah traveled the country in that van listening to Ani DeFranco. Secretly, we were roommates at the hotels. And we were hooking up. And it was secret. I wouldn't let her tell anyone else. I made her keep it a secret for the entire tour, which was like six months. And, and do you think mm-hmm. she managed that? Or did everyone yeah. know? No, she didn't tell anyone. We, we stayed together for seven years. <clears throat> After the tour, we moved in together. And then we were out. It, but it took me a while. I came out to my parents by saying, I have a girlfriend. So I had been with ah. Sarah for like six or eight months already. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the tour was over and we were going to move in together. It was a done deal. And that's when I decided, okay, well, shit, that I'm gay. And I have to tell people. And this is, this is what it is. So I, like, eased in. Like, I, I feel like I touched my toe real slowly into this gay water. And, and also then the, the story was, I mean, it's just Sarah. I'm just really attack, attracted to Sarah. Like, I think I'm bi, you know. So how long throughout your relationship with Sarah were you like, oh, I'm just bi, it's just Sarah? Uh, years. We were together seven years, and mm-hmm. uh, probably the last two or three years was when I was like, all right, no, um, I like women more than men. That's for sure. So I am definitely a lesbian. I am gay. It took a while, though. Like wow. to the point where Sarah thought, you know, that I might date men after we broke up. <sighs> 
I know. And what was the response from your parents? Shock. They were shocked. My mother was shocked. It turned out wonderful. I'm so lucky, honestly. I know how terrible these things can go. And in that Mm -hmm. respect, I am extremely lucky with the way it turned out. But I was shocked that it didn't turn out easier than it did. I thought my parents would, because of where we, I grew up, because of the people we were surrounded by, because of the theater and all the gay boys I surrounded them with, yeah. I thought it would just be a, oh, okay. You know, it wasn't though. It was a, oh, I had no idea. I never thought you were thinking of this. And it was very awkward and it was very, my mother took some time to come around to it. And my mother and I are very close and always have been. So that was kind of heartbreaking. And by took some time, I mean like it took her like three days. And then we had Mm -hmm. a conversation where I think I cried a little bit and, you know, I didn't think this would be a problem for you. I didn't think this would be weird to you in any way. And we talked it out. And from that moment on, mom has been fine with it and wonderful and just like my biggest ally, all queer people's biggest allies at this point, you know. But it was, it was touchy for a second. And that's why I say I'm really lucky. Yeah. And my dad was like, ah, well, you know, uh, women, you know, they experiment a lot. He th- everybody thought it was a phase <laughs> at first. Oh, and I can never tell if that makes it easier or more difficult. Oh, I don't even know. Like, I also never fully came out to everyone. I kind of let my mother tell the family. <laughs> Coward. And my friends, you know, like my high school friends. And once again, I want to bring it back to the fact that, like, gay and male was totally acceptable. Lesbians, nobody was a lesbian, really. Now I know more lesbians from growing up. Like, now I know. But even then, when we're in our 20s, it wasn't, we weren't coming out as lesbians. And so I was so afraid to tell my high school friends because I didn't want them to think like I had a crush on them in high school and we, I slept over their houses all the time. I was so afraid. And I never actually said I'm gay. I don't think to any of them. I just brought my girlfriend around. I was like, this is my girlfriend. You know, I never said the words, I'm gay. Well, I think that's neat. <laughs> I think it's neater. Is it? Like, if you've got any questions, bring it up with me. Otherwise, we're moving on. Okay. Well, that, I feel like it was cowardly, <laughs> but I like that you said that. That's nice. I was afraid. Well, yeah, but there's this thing, isn't it? Like, if you think that it shouldn't be a big deal, which I'm assuming you do, so I'm sorry to make that assumption of you, but if you think it shouldn't be a big deal, then don't treat it like a big deal. Right. I mean, there are some caveats to that, obviously, but... Yeah, and that's a good argument and a good point you're making, and I think that's kind of what I did. I just pretended it was nothing. Well, and on the inside, I was like a wreck over <laughs> maybe losing friends. Yeah. yeah. There was one friend from high school I said, I told, oh, I have a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And she never spoke to me again after I told her that. <sighs> so I did lose one friend. Yeah. And in hindsight, you can be like, well, actually, that was a really good thing because I don't want to be friends with someone who's queerphobic, homophobic, whatever. Yeah. But I guess at the time, that's, yeah, that's a terrible thing to go through. Yeah. Yeah, she never, she never spoke to me again. I don't know what happened to her. I tried it, and I texted her many times. Never heard mm-hmm. back. She washed her life of me. That's so gross. Like, cause she's gay. I bet she's so gay. 
I also think now everybody's a little bit gay. That's now my new thing. So I've done a complete 180 here. 360, whatever it is. <laughs> what, so if people have a problem, you think it's because they're gay? I mean, no. I, sometimes, but no. I just joke that I think everybody has a little bit of gay in them and they just haven't found it yet. The world would be a lot better place if we all just recognized our gay. Yeah, but then like, Except I'd have to have a little bit of straight in me, wouldn't I? Hmm. I never thought of it that way. No. So you're right. The, there is the spectrum, and some of us are on the very edges of either end. You're right. I agree. But I think most of us are kind of closer to the middle than we like to admit. Not most of us. Some of us. I don't know. I don't know. It's just my thing I like to joke about. <laughs> um, I don't even know. So I wanted to ask. I wanted to talk about stereotypes about lesbians. Mm. So sorry to take it there. Let's do it. So you've said to me that you are uh, a serial monogamist mm -hmm. and you moved in with Sarah after <laughs> six months on tour and just moved straight in. So I want to talk about the concept of a U-Haul lesbian, oh. which is the term used to describe lesbian couples who shack up quite quickly. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this term? Oh, my God, of course I am. <laughs> I, I, yes, and I do believe stereotypes exist for a reason, not that they should be used and not that they should, you know, we should throw them around as yeah. fact and all the things, right? But you hauling is real, <laughs> and I am the example of it. And I joke all the time on my show, all the time, about, you know, I, so many lesbian couples I've interviewed have U-hauled it, and we have a running joke with the U-haul thing. I U-hauled uh, every lesbian relationship I've been in. So before I ask follow-up questions, totally agree with you. <laughs> uh, stereotypes exist for a reason, but they're not hard and fast rules. We shouldn't use them to apply them to people or groups of people. But now that we've said all of the nice things, why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that this happened? I don't know. I, like intimacy and uh, I can only speak from my experience. So mm -hmm. for me, with the two lesbians I you hold with, two, there's only been two. Once I knew I liked them, I knew I wanted to be with them all the time. There was no question as to who I wanted to spend my time with. And so... I guess it's like, well, why not just go all the way with it? Let's do it. I know I don't want to be with anyone else. I don't want to be near anyone else. Like, I really just want to spend all my time with you. And I don't know if that's a female thing, but it's just this level of intimacy that I personally reach really mm -hmm. quickly with certain people I'm attracted to. Sarah and I were quick. And, and then Anne, my wife, I was in love with her after one night. I know, that sounds so disgusting. So, so it's just like when you know, you know. I guess. It's so disgusting. I'm so disgusted I even said that out loud. Everybody's like, ew, she's disgusting. But I don't know. Like I was like <laughs> obsessed and in love with her. It was supposed to be a one-night stand. Like I said, I jumped from one long relationship to the next. Anne was supposed to be my one-night stand. I was supposed to like play the field a little bit. I'd just been in this long relationship and we had this long, passionate, amazing night. And the next day I was like, well, that's it. <laughs> well, better cancel my lease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in it to win it. That was it. I knew. 
I wanted to be with her. That was it. Wow. I fell in love. And at what point did you adopt cats? Cats? <laughs> I'm a dog lesbian. I'm a dog lesbian. We never oh, did the cat oh. thing. I've heard of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we got our first dog, Anne and I, before we had kids. So how long? So how long? Uh, oh, it took a while because I met Anne when I was 30. And then Anne and I were together three years before we got Roxy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, so we took good. time. And then we had our kid the next year, and then it all, and then the, all the SHIT hits the fan once that happens. <laughs> You're allowed to say shit, by the way. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to upset your listeners. I have a potty mouth. You're going to upset them by making them spell. Um, okay, so <laughs> there was something else I wanted. Oh, okay. The other thing I wanted to ask you about coming out and shedding the perception that you had of yourself and forcing mm -hmm. others to potentially shed the perception they had of you is have you stopped being a people pleaser? No. No. No, I think that's like one of my Achilles heels. I aim to please. Yeah. No, I'm still definitely a people pleaser, but I work really hard also on learning to appreciate and cultivate the differences in me, if that Ooh, makes sense. Unpack that. Learning to embrace the lesbian side of me, the, the part of me that's different. And there's a lot of things that are different about me, but I, I don't even know how to, like, for instance... I had the hardest time saying the word lesbian for a very long time. I would say I'm gay. Mm. I would not say lesbian because it felt like a gross, icky, yucky word. And I forced myself to learn to love that word and use it all the time and in front of my children constantly. Lesbian is a part of the conversation because I didn't want that stigma for them around it or for me anymore. Like that's who I am, embrace it and be done with it. Do you know specifically what about that word you didn't like? I think it brings up connotations of what I thought of lesbians as a child. Lesbians were gross as a kid. I knew what they were because I was surrounded by queer culture. My brother's best friend was very open. Uh, his mother was a very open woman and was a single mom and for a while had a lesbian girlfriend that we would talk about, and this, I must have been like six or seven, about Tevia's mom's lesbian girlfriend. Oh, I guess she's living a lesbian life now, you know, joke, joke, joke. But the way we talked about it was kind of like, ew, that's so gross. What did they, like, ew, they like lick each other's pussies? Sorry. Yeah. Like, the connotation of the word lesbian to me was just, ew. And I had to shed that. I had to let go of that. And see it for the beautiful thing that it is. But, and so you didn't have that response to gay woman or gay? It didn't feel as gross to say gay as it felt to say uh. lesbian. When I was little, the word lesbian was always used in a negative way. Oh, they're lesbians. Ew. Mm -hmm. Whereas gay wasn't used in a gross way because I had so many gay boyfriends and we were embracing that word and they were embracing their identities. But lesbians, mm -mm. I don't know. It's weird. That's really interesting. 
Let's see, so wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about you embracing the different sides of you, right? Or yeah, the difference. Learning to love them. Yeah, yeah. So embracing the word lesbian was one of those, an example of that. Um, but now as a mom too, you know, I don't want my kids to have that ideal of who they need to be. Mm. And so I try to constantly in our house have the narrative of, you know, weird is good. The weirder you are is better. Embrace weird, embrace different. And like, I, I don't want my kids to feel not perfect because they are whoever they are, however they are. But it took me so long to realize that even with my uniqueness, my differences, I'm still perfect. Still hard to believe it, you know? Mm. And I think everybody grapples with kind of a version of that, even without the queer thing, even without the queer aspect, I think. Well, unless you're a white, cisgendered, heterosexual male... True, true, true. Good point, good point. <laughs> so, so we didn't really talk that much about bars or your experience in any queer spaces specifically. But we did talk a bit about being exposed to the Castro and having that knowledge about... It's going to sound really weird. Knowledge about gay people whilst you were growing up. How do you think... Having access to that shaped who you are. That's hard to answer because I can't imagine what I would have been like had I not grown up with that, right? Mm. I'm not even sure, you know. I like to think of myself as an open-minded, inclusive individual. But I don't know if it would have been different had I not been raised around queerness. Okay, so um, let me ask it in a different way then. When you were wrestling with your own sexuality and your own identity, how did knowing that you'd had those experiences inform your decisions and your thought process? Well, I guess I knew there was community. I knew I would not be alone if I decided to admit to myself who my true authentic self was. I knew that I would still have people. I knew that. I knew my gay male friends wouldn't give a shit. Oh, okay. You know, I knew that. It wasn't like a death sentence to me. It wasn't like, I, I, I feel like, and I don't know, you tell me, like I feel like for many who don't have the representation growing up, coming out is like they have to cut off their lives and venture out into this new world that's unknown. The world to me was not unknown. I knew it and I knew that you could have a full and very rich life being an out queer person. So in that aspect, that's not what I was afraid of. I wasn't afraid of losing anything except my perfection. Losing friends, wasn't afraid of that. Losing family, wasn't afraid of that. Oh, interesting. I guess. So yeah. what does losing perfection mean? Because I think I'd interpreted it as people that knew you having a different view of you. <sighs> I, well, there is that. I did have that. At, like with my straight high school friends, 
I was worried of them seeing me in a different light, yes. But I knew there were other people out there, I guess, that I could fill the void with, Hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I wasn't afraid of losing community. I knew I would always have community. And And I also knew the community well, and I knew I loved the queer community. But yeah, I guess it's just this this understanding of perfectionism mm-hmm. and who perfectionism is for, whether it's mm. for you or whether it's you controlling. Oh, I didn't say that word. I did say that word. I'm going to own it. Yeah. You controlling other people's idea of you. Mm-hmm. I think it's both. And I think it's a mm. lot of me controlling other people's idea of me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really not very kind to ourselves, is it? No. Perfectionism is screwed up, man. It's terrible. And I want to go back to what you said before, because it resonated with me in that, and I'm not going to say it in the way that you said it, because I can't remember the exact words that you strung together, but in all of my sloppy, messy, weird grossness, I am perfect. Mm-hmm. And so are you. Oh, that's so cheesy. Sorry. Yeah, no, yes. Right? You are. I am. My kids are. My wife is. And does that mean by extension Donald Trump is? Oh, God, no. Absolutely. He does not. Do you have any memories of queer spaces from your past that you want to share? Well, if you do, I would love to hear all about it. So why not get in touch? I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing, but I cannot do it alone. Go to lostspacespodcast.com, find the section, share a lost space, and then tell me all about what it is you got up to. I'd love to hear from you. But if that's a bit of a step too far and you just want to have a conversation about today's episode or about life in general, why not go to my Facebook or my Instagram at Lost Spaces Pod and reach out. Let's have a chat. Find out more about Jamie by listening to the Queer Family Podcast, wherever it is you stream podcasts, by visiting her website, thequeerfamilypodcast.com, or following her show on Facebook at Ovaries Talk, or Instagram and TikTok, where it is at the Queer Family Podcast. That's a lot of information. If that was too fast, go to the show notes of this episode, where you can find all of this information neatly packaged up. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you took the time to subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform, or just tell other people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen too. My name's Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. <laughs>